Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching by Alexander Victor, God's Word rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. So in two terms, the word simplify in the English, what does it mean? Or what does it connote, generally speaking? To make it easy? To break it down? There's more. Synonyms. Make it light, easy, yeah. Make it mild, yeah. What? (laughs) To make it simple. Okay. In the mathematical sense, what does it mean to simplify? Yeah, to its lowest state, right? To break down an equation to its very lowest state. Very lowest state, such that the point at which you get to can no longer be cancelled by anything else or even itself. Yeah, to simplify. This is sort of similar to our imitate. You find that a lot of times in life, when we are faced with any conundrum, any trouble, any challenge, the unnatural instinct is to simplify it. Right? I watch a very, very um, interesting game show and it's called The Cube. You have a few, you have a couple of lifelines, you have, and then one of the options that are available to you is simplify. So if you're supposed to do something and you're supposed to see 10 boxes, and you choose a simplify option, it either makes the boxes appear for a longer period of time, or it eliminates, say, two or three boxes and leaves you with seven. So you're having less to, to, to tackle. Does that make sense? And naturally in life, when life throws you a bad hand, your natural instinct is to simplify. What is the easiest way out of this? And you're also conditioned to think, what is the cheapest way out of this? So we're naturally not conditioned to spend anything more than the very base price of anything. In other words, you hardly buy a pair of shoes for two grand if you found that same pair of shoes for a thousand. There's no Holy Ghost, no angel from heaven that will explain to you why you should spend a thousand two hundred when you have seen it for a thousand. True or false? So not only are we um, conditioned to look for the easiest way out, unfortunately, by virtue of the kind of society we live in, we're also conditioned to look for the cheapest way out. And going ahead of myself, you also find out, if you're honest with yourself, that you've had to buy the cheaper option more multiple times than you would have if you had bought one good option slightly more expensive. So in being penny-wise, you have become pound-foolish, as they say. So you buy the simplest thing, the simplest thing, the simplest thing, and you're buying it so many more times than you need to. Because you spend less. Why spend 2,000 when I can spend 600 now? And in the next two weeks or one month, you need to spend the 600 again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again. So in our conditioning, you already see the principle that it doesn't always pay to simplify. And that's the title, as it were, of my discourse. Don't simplify it. Don't simplify it. 
Because what it means in your walk with God, in your faith, is that every process you try to simplify, you will fail and retake. So the natural principle of simplification is dangerous and inimical to your faith journey. In other words, it is not in the interest of your spiritual maturity to always simplify. Are you following me now? So a lot of us have arrived somewhere too quickly and you arrived a worse version than you ought to have arrived at because you always found the shortcut out of the process. Always. You're supposed to travel for 18 miles and you find what's the shortest way to get there. What's the easiest way to get there? What's the easiest way to appear like I've gotten the same result? And again, that's the society we live in. We live in a society that when you go to, to the bank or you go to the police or you go to um, any of the parastatals, what something is supposed to be free and it's supposed to take X amount of time. But most times because you are not even confident that what you have gotten for free will come. You are more confident for something you've paid for. You're more confident for somebody that said to you, you know, it takes three days, but if you give us 2000 can come back tomorrow. You can actually do business with the promise based on the fact that you committed something. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you have simplified the process. You have made it quicker. Or so you think. So it appears. And so we come into our work with God with the same mentality with which we live life. Are you following me now? Same mentality. If it's going to take 72 hours, what can I pay to make it quicker? Can I fast and pray to make this come quicker? Can I serve in church to skip this part of my process? Can I be close to the pastor to skip what it takes to pay my price as a disciple? Can I give my way out of going to preach the gospel? There's people that do that. Why should I go out to preach when my money can go to preach for me? There's people like that. And then there's people that feel like, why should I give money when I have swept the church? My, my sweeping should give for me. We are always wanting to simplify. But nothing fuels growth like process. Nothing fuels growth like process. And let me add a disclaimer. Process that has had its full work. In other words... Process that has been truncated, that has been discolored, makes for stunted growth. So a lot of us are ahead of stuff and you feel good. I came in now, but I'm ahead. I'm here and I'm like that. I'm this, but I'm ahead. Because you are aborting or truncating or stifling process. Nothing falls growth and stability like process. The very thing that the average African doesn't want to bother about. And so again, unfortunately, we bring that to our work with God and we get into trouble. Look at the narrative of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. Simple but profound text. Luke 2, 50, 52. Let, let's backtrack a little bit. I'll just give you a pretext. So basically, this is Jesus at 12 years old, right? This is the first time we're hearing of Jesus after he had come back from his sojourn 
in Egypt. He was in Egypt for at least 10 years, right? He left as a young lad, right? Comes back. Next time we hear of Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem, bamboozling the teachers of the law, right? And after three days, his father and mother find him and say, why, why do you keep us busy? Where have you been? And he says, do you not know <laughs> I've been about my father's business? You know, and Joseph was quiet because Joseph knows all along, no being born Jesus. <laughs> so if you notice, Joseph always minimized his involvement in the matters of Jesus because he knew all along that I didn't born this boy. And even his mom, even not for that angel that warned me, I for not even marry mama. Remember the angel, he said, if you put it with me, marry her like that. She's pregnant, marry her. So Joseph has this awe. <laughs> Do you understand? With which he respects his father, his son. <laughs> Do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Hey. Mary, at least she pushed him out. You know, but even at that, she always advised herself. So she kept these things, the scripture says, in her heart. That's the backdrop of Luke chapter 2. And then you come to Luke chapter 2, 52. And you see about the child Jesus. And Jesus, give me, give me King James. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Tipity. As Jesus grew, so did his wisdom and maturity. The message. The favor of men increased upon his life. And Jesus matured. That's the word oxano, oxanen, right? Growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by God and people. I have a question for you. If Jesus was God, why did he need to grow? Why did Jesus need to increase? Has anybody ever thought about it? And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and man. That means that there was a measure of stature Jesus didn't have until he had. To increase in money, there is a measure against which that loss is, is, is valued. Does that make sense? For it to also increase, there is a measure against which that increase is valued. You cannot have 20 million and at tomorrow you are worth 20 million and you have increased. Of a necessity, you ought to have gone from 20 million to at least 20.01 million. For it to be recorded against you or in your favor as increase. Talk to me now, guys. So Jesus increased in wisdom. Wisdom personified. Increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. He increased in favor with man. That means as Jesus grew through his process, more people were favorably inclined to him. If it was 12 people that favored him last year, this year 20 people favored him. That's what process does. He increased in favor. This is interesting. With God. God. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. Not his names. His name. His one name was wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, one name. Everlasting father, his name. Increased in favor with God. So Jesus, the man, son of man, had to go through a human process to square with man and God. And it was a process he did not simplify. Why would Jesus need to grow in favor with God? So at the time that Jesus, the son of man, will lift up his eyes and say, Talith, Kumi. What we're seeing is the manifestation and the results of the supernatural in the ministry of a grown-up Jesus. Not a Jesus that was born like that. Father, help me to get your people to see this. So the Jesus that was walking on water, the Jesus that was doing stuff, is the Jesus that grew. Not the Jesus that arrived. Because if process was not important, a, a Jesus Christ would have been made manifest fully incarnate. Fully God. Draw a sword, put Satan to shame, break out the keys of hell and death, and the job is done. In other words, our Savior should have come, could have come as a superhero. You know what I mean? Superman things, Batmobile, you know, like just, just dazzle everybody. Satan, just push Satan back, get the behind me, eyes him up. You know, like all them sub-zero moves, you know, just eyes him up and just do all them things and just melt away the sin. And they'll just play the soundtrack, redeem. Job done. And guess what? It would have been easier for a lot of people to believe. And it could have been much more easy for a lot of fraudsters to get in the kingdom. Because you believe because of the works. But why does Israel struggle with the Messiah? Because he didn't come as a superhero. Jesus increased in wisdom. And stature. Wisdom as God had to learn day by day how to apply wisdom as man. Are you following me? Why? Because God had never been a man and had to learn and master humanity. Didn't just show up. I'm the maker of all things. I got this. I don't, or else he would not have been able to be referred to the one who was like passion, tempted in every way and without sin. Are you following me tonight? He had to go through the process to identify fully with humanity in order to one save humanity and two show God that man can be without sin. Because what Adam proved was that man cannot be without sin. So another man had to come and as a man prove that man can be without sin. And therefore everyone that comes from the order of this new man is without sin. Even in their sin. So divinity did not assume that it had mastery of humanity. 
God didn't assume that. You know what? We created these guys. We know how this thing runs. Just go in there and just, just go straight to the cross. You got this. You know all things. He does know all things. But he submitted himself to go through the process and did not ever choose once to simplify it. So for sons of God in this season of imitatio, understand that it is not the nature of the father that you simplify every process. Is anybody getting instructed to me? He didn't simplify it. I mean, he could have. He had all the power to. Just show up. He could have showed up right there on the cross. Three crosses straight up. And before they would say, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar said, do we not throw three men into the fire? Bound. How come we see four men lose? And the fourth one is as the son of God. So God could have shown up on Golgotha. Straight up. Already pre-crucified. And before that Roman guy that was supervising the crucifixion can say, was it not two men? A lightning, you know the lightning that struck Saul on the road to Damascus? We just strike the Roman soldier. Bah! He said, oh yeah, not three we've been crucified in a tree. I remember now. God had the power to do that. He did. He did. And he would just strike, I mean, Elisha. Elisha was just having fun, making people blind 50 by 50. Just fun. You and your 50. Bah! Blindness. Go. Next set. <laughs> They bring another 50. Pa! Blindness. Next set. So if Elisha could blind people in the 50s, if he, and, and could call out, before then, call out two bears to eat 40 innocent children. And Elijah could call down fire from heaven and shut down the heavens. Please don't think that there's some things that God cannot do. That he chose to not do them does not make him incapable of doing them. Yeah, there's a difference between what God does not and what God cannot. Do you hear me? It's a difference. Please don't confuse it. Don't make God very lame. No, God cannot. God cannot. No, no, no. God does not. And he does not. He gets why. But there is why. So that he does not does not mean he cannot. He can. How can you understand the measure of possibility? To even now determine what God cannot do. You. That are a result of his ability. And I'm the one that can regulate God's own ability. Clap for yourself. So you already established that you're too little. To regulate or comprehend the ability of God. Therefore do not chip in him. To the box of ability or non-ability you have created for him. Are you following me? So he had to learn to be a man. He didn't arrive as man. He could have. Skipped all the process. But Adam was there and put in that cosmos. Given the same choices. This other Adam had to come in the same way. And be put in the same cosmos. The same environment. And given the same choices. Does that make sense? So one stays there in the garden. Is tempted heavily. Falls abdicates the other one stays there in the garden is tempted and stands his ground two adams two gardens two outcomes the first adam is in the garden of eden 
He hears voices. Did God say? Did God not say? God did not say. He was presented with options. He fell. Second Adam is in the garden of Gethsemane. Presented with options. You know, this cup can pass by you. You don't have to drink this cup. You don't have to. So again, you can choose yourself or choose the greater picture. And it says, not my will, but thine be done. So the way the first Adam fails, in the same environment, the second Adam trumps and succeeds. And that's why you're here. Because God came as man and didn't think it so bad. Philippians 2 and 5, that's the narrative Paul is explaining. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who considered it not robbery to be equal with God, being in form of God, did not consider it robbery to be with God, but made himself of no reputation. Christ Jesus, the word, there from the beginning. It was God that became a man. It was God that became man. It's written here clearly. Verse 5, switch to the TPT. This might help somebody. 2 and 5. Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God. Yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory. By reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant, he became human. He became human. He didn't wave a magic wand. He became, he followed due process. Tell your neighbor, don't simplify it. He begins to grow the child Jesus in wisdom and stature. In favor with God and with man. And as part of his growth, he learns certain things. Look at Hebrews 2 and 10. A scripture in this house we know very well. It's the next line I'm interested in you seeing. For it was fitting for him. For whom are all things? For whom are all things? Please don't disregard the description. It was fitting for him. For whom are all things? And from whom are all things? And by whom are all things? In bringing many sons to glory. To make of their salvation perfect hold up who is the captain of our salvation is he perfect in what state is he perfect did Jesus arrive imperfect he was perfect in his divine state does that imply then that in his human state he was imperfect Look at the verse again. 10, same verse. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. The perfection being referred to here as achieved through sufferings was absent without suffering. He became perfect through suffering. In other words, there was a perfection he came into that he would not have come into if not for suffering. TPT. For now he towers above all creation for all things exist through him and for him and that, and God, and that God made him pioneer of our salvation perfect through his sufferings. For this is how he brings many sons and daughters to share his glory. The message. 
It makes good sense that the God who got everything started and keeps everything going now completes the work by making the salvation pioneer perfect through suffering as he leads all these people to glory. So Jesus as God was perfect. Jesus as man was perfect. Because you can't say he was imperfect. For although he knew no sin, he had to become sin. So you can't imply that Jesus as a man was imperfect. So therefore we cannot explain this verse as saying he went from imperfection to perfection. Having established that, the only plausible conclusion is that he went from one state of perfection to another. That means that perfection is sectional. You can be perfect in one dimension and deficient in another until. But you see, most times inferiority complex when you're going through your process will make you feel like, no, no, but this person, if this person can do it, I'm, I can do it now. Why, why, why can I not sing if this person is singing? Why can I not go out if this person is going out? Why can I not? And you, be, and you begin to compare and re, re, you don't understand that your process is personal. Yes, that what somebody else is efficient in is what you are deficient in. And what you are efficient in is what the other person just might be deficient in. So you are perfect in one area, but you are imperfect in another until you are perfect. And the difference between that level of perfection and the other is a process that you must choose to not simplify. Don't simplify. Everybody's going in and out and you two want to go in and out. What we're dealing with are different states of perfection. Everybody's making noise and you want to make noise. Everybody's preaching, you want to preach. Everyone's singing, you want to sing. There are different stages of perfection. What somebody has mastery of, you may not have mastery of. What you may have mastery of, somebody else does not have mastery of. And you, have to, you start to train yourself to realize that there are things in life that only I can do the way I can do them. Are you listening to me tonight? And this is crucial to enable you settle in the household of faith. Because a lot of us are too shifty. You're in a hurry. You are in a race against yourself. Thinking you are in a race against somebody else. Jesus was perfect, but needed perfection. Perfection that only suffering could bring about. Because if Jesus did not attend that perfection, Jesus I promise you, would have walked into disobedience. That's a strong statement to make. Jesus would have started off in a state of perfection as a man and slipped up as a man. And that would have jeopardized the entire redemption plan for all eternity if he had tried to simplify the process. So in order to attain the perfection required to make him savior, he went through suffering. Perfect Adam needed to be perfect savior. So your perfection as Adam, second Adam, Holy Spirit help me. Your default, Pastor D, your default perfection as Adam, sinless, was not enough for salvation. 
you needed to come into perfection as a savior through suffering. So that that suffering is what will give you the sense to not disobey when the going gets tough, Jesus. Or else you will disobey, sir. Hebrews 5.8. You see it. Though he was a son, yet he learned. Somebody say learned. The Greek word for learn, mathai in the Greek, is from the word from which you get maths, mathematics. He understood how to solve the equation of obedience. Next line, by the things which he suffered. Now, do you understand why I say in the absence of those sufferings that brought about perfection, he would have walked into disobedience? And a lot of us, our hearts are in the right place. But we continue to mess things up. Because you are perfect, yes, while refusing to attain perfection. I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's not the answer. That's an incomplete gospel. And anybody that leaves you there has cheated you. There is a perfection that you are required to attain. And I promise you, you will suffer for it. And if you try to simplify your suffering, you will drag out your process. You will not like how you end up and you cannot blame anybody but yourself. TPT, verse 8. Even though he was a wonderful son, perfect, he learned to listen and obey through all his sufferings. If you are God, why am I suffering? Because he is God. And there is a course you must go through in life. Suffering is 101, 201, 301. Because it is that suffering that pushes you into a perfection that until then you are deficient in. And we keep trying to simplify. You keep wanting to get out now. I've told you before, it is not God's will that you escape out of every trial. (laughs) This is where you start to eat strong meat. It's not. Who told you that? James 1.3, count it all joy. When you go through, not one, not a few, diverse. Diverse. The when is not one off. You know how you recharge data? They tell you one off or renew. <laughs> my, my friend, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Stay in that verse. Put it in CPT. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, Nothing but difficulty. In other words, difficulty meets difficulty. Meets difficulty. And you will get there. You will. (laughs) See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. So who told you that it's always about the easiest way out? The shortest way out. See the next verse, in verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested... It stirs up power within you to escape all things. 
So any prophet that tells you everything will be well with you should be stoned. Because sir, it will not all be well with you. Isn't that what religion is trying to do? Complicate the simple things and simplify the things that you need to go through. You're passing through something, we are quick to blame somebody from your village. It becomes easy for you to bear. We're constantly simplifying. God, get me out of this. If you're God, why am I going through this? Sons of God don't have that understanding. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. Put that verse back up in, it, in, the, in the message. Hebrews 5.8. Though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered. Just as. So there's a level of congruity. There's a level of fusion. There's a level of, of perfection with God that you rub yourself off. Each time you simplify your process, you will never qualify for some things in God. Ah. But sir, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. One level. We are all blessed equally. We are not all blessed equally. Two statements that are true. (laughs) We are all blessed equally. We are not all blessed equally. We are blessed at the same level of blessing. Blessing, senior blessing. Yes. At the place that blessing transcends blessing, kuriakos, no, 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 um, um, makarios, I beg your pardon, at the point that blessing begins to appear to be more manifest than others, is the point where somebody has gained mastery in a level of perfection. Yes, while you are struggling with something. So some people are struggling with giving. Because, you know, you're simplifying. If I give this one now, what will I have for tomorrow? You have broken down to the lowest, barest minimum. I, I, I can't give you this. It's my rent. I can't give you this. It's my transport. If I give you this, what will I eat? You are here as a child of God in whom the Holy Ghost dwells. And you're struggling with giving. When an empty Jewish boy gave his bread and fish, didn't think about it because he knew it was Jesus. Five loaves of bread, two fish. You can't say the Holy Spirit led him. He didn't have Holy Spirit. It wasn't even Jesus that asked him. For those of you that go ahead and leave, the path say, because there's people like that in church. Yeah. That when the pastor tells them to do something, they will go up on three legs yeah. in the manner of speaking. Yeah. Three legs, jump. But if another person came to say it, they will look at you like, who are you? Where do you see where Jesus had a conversation with the boy? I said, I can use your bread and fish. The disciples just went around as doubtful as they were. Asking, who has anything? Anything, anything. And the boy said, I have my five loaves of bread and two fish. And they're like, yeah, bring it. At least let's, take, let's go back to Jesus and let him know that we found something. And the boy was happy. Now imagine the boy sitting down there and looking at 12 baskets full. After nearly 20,000 people fed. Now we don't know how the story ends. John says that if all the things were written, the world would not have enough space to contain all the books that could be written. I can bet you one or two of those baskets full ended up in that boy's house. And you're here. We just said Christ lives in you. And you're struggling to give. Because you want to simplify everything. There's heat that withholds what is meat. Proverbs 11, 24. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. King James, 
There's he that withholdeth more than is meat, but attended to poverty. Proverbs, we have the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller. And it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Because you would think that someone who is stingy should get larger. And someone who is generous should get smaller. Until you realize it's not you that wrote the formula. So those of us that respect the formula and its originator, watch us. Watch us. We pour everything out, we multiply. We pour everything out, we multiply. We give it out, we start again, we multiply, we take the level up. One level of perfection to one. In your very eyes, you will not be able to say, I don't know how this happened. You know that you cannot say, I don't know how this happened. You know you cannot say, Pav just came here and overnight became big. You cannot say that. It happened in your very eyes. It's happening in your very eye. Oh, Pavo of yesterday. Daniel of just now. It's never just now. It's a process. It's perfection you will never come into. Are you getting this? It's a process. You don't simplify. In following Christ, we lose. In following Christ, we gain. Two truths. Equal value. Until you lose, you don't gain. He that will keep his life, Jesus said, will lose it. He that will lose his life for my sake will find it. Tell anybody, don't simplify the process. Is this helping anybody? Don't simplify. Matthew 26, and I'll take this home. 47. I need 47 right up to... 54. Did you guys hear me, MTF? And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, this is in the garden of Gethsemane now, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And we know who this is. Please see Jesus' response in 52. Tell anybody, don't simplify it. Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword... Will perish by the sword. It doesn't stop there. It says, or oh, do you think that I cannot now simplify this issue? Do you think I cannot now pray to my father and he will send, look at this, provide me with more than 12 legions. Bring out your calculator now. Calculate 12 times 6,000. 72,000 angels just to respond to a case of an ear in an arrest. You think I cannot pray to Jesus, to God now? And he will send 72,000 angels of war. Mighty angels. You just lent it now. Mighty angels, 72,000. Because they came to arrest me. So life will come to you with sufferings. 
And the one goal of it is to get you to try to simplify. Because you will not be here if Jesus had simplified. So you think that Jesus didn't know when they were beating him. When they were betraying him. But he knew because he was seen as he fell in love with. And sinners were just doing exactly what their job description. They were just being sinners. So nothing they were doing was unnatural to God. They were just being sinners. And he didn't fall in love with the church. <laughs> he fell in love with the world. For while we were that sinners, Christ died. So if he started punishing people who were trying to arrest him when they were just being sinners by nature, what chance would he have stood of salvation? If he starts judging people that came to arrest him when he didn't come to condemn. Last example, 2 Corinthians 10. Interesting narrative from verse 1. From verse 1 to about 10. Please switch to the, to, the, to the TPT. Although it may not accomplish a thing, I need to move on and boast about supernatural visions and revelations of the Lord. Someone I'm acquainted with. <laughs> who is in union with Christ, was swept away 14 years ago in an ecstatic experience. He was taken into the third heaven, but I'm not sure if he was in his body or out of his body. Only God knows. Now, mark the phrase, somebody I'm acquainted with. Yeah? One guy like that. Watch how in his writing, it will pan from that guy to him. Next verse. And I know that this man, again, I'm not sure if he was still in his body or taken out of his body. God knows. Was caught up in an ecstatic experience and brought into paradise where he overheard many wondrous and inexpressible secrets that were so sacred that no mortal is permitted to repeat them. I'm ready to boast of such an experience. But for my own good, I thought you were somebody you're acquainted with. <laughs> But for my own good, I refuse to boast unless it concerns my weaknesses. However, if I were to boast, it wouldn't be ridiculous at all, for I would be speaking the truth, yet I will refrain, yes, yet lest others think highly of me than what I demonstrated with my life and teaching. The extraordinary level of the revelations I've received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me. The adversary's messenger, King James says, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, keeping me from becoming arrogant. Again, learning humility by the things he suffered. God again in his sovereignty. Otherwise, God cannot, that's why I've told you over and over in this house, sin did not take God unawares. Didn't take him by surprise. It's, it's, it's in his foreknowledge that he slay the lamb. Not in his reaction. In his foreknowledge. It's in the same foreknowledge that he arranged a path of suffering for this man called Jesus. Because Jesus could have fallen his hand. He was a man. He was a man. If Jesus defeated sin as a God, then God was unfair. It was unfair. Sin that took man had to be defeated by a man. Because the, the grand design was for man to be sin-free as a man. Does that make sense? Sin-free in the mortal body, not in the exalted body. So this Jesus man, you will, there's some suffering with your name on it. 
you will enter a level of perfection so that you have been tested in every way yet without sin. Does that make sense? In every way yet without sin. So you qualify as savior. Jesus didn't arrive with a birthright of saving the world. He perfected his way to the cross. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. Paul learned humility. Was, are we saying he's proud? No, we have explained that exegesis already. But he went from one level of humility to another. In fact, about Jesus, a theologian puts it this way, that Jesus went from unproven obedience to tested or proven obedience. In other words, it was Jesus' default state to obey God, but suffering gave him the opportunity to put it to use. Do you understand? So that's so why I've always said it's easy to see. Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. I am, 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 I am. The moment to remind you who you are, you say, no, 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 let me not hear that, please. This is reality we're talking now. Because that's you wanting to simplify the process. And when we come at you for wanting to simplify, you go, but is that not what gift is doing? So you adjust the trajectory of your maturity in comparison with somebody else's process. Stay on that verse. I'm finishing. Verse 7. Keeping me from becoming arrogant. Stay here in the message. This is Paul. Because of the extravagance of these revelations. And so I wouldn't get a big head. Did you see it? So I wouldn't get a... Paul. Who knew that he stood the risk of getting a big head? God. Or many knowers. I was giving the gift of a handicap. What you are calling an obstacle and an attack from your village is part of your process. A level of perfection and obedience which you will not come into without it. Some of you do not understand God as heart mender until that man broke your heart. Then you realize, hey, wait to truly, truly, there's nothing God cannot do. God cannot have to repair heart. Oh. Look at my heart. It was broken. There was no pieces. It was watery. No pieces. So that you can comfort others, scripture says, with the same comfort with which you have been comforted. Same. Same comfort. We're too in a hurry to simplify our process. Hey, but he loves me. He's beating me, but he loves me. It's not... Like, He's not a believer, but I will change him. Because your biological clock is ticking. Are you a bum? The gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down when he, he, in fact, what he did, in fact, was to push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. This is as practical as it gets in going through. It's as practical as it gets. You're always looking, you are with somebody, you are going through something, you get a job, you are volunteering, you are being discipled, you're going through a business, and you are always looking for the easiest way out. It's not the spirit of God. You will not mature. You will not go anywhere. You will not. You will just keep your eyes up and see people rise. Because each time process came, you simplified it. Each time, you chose the easiest option. 
Something you can work on and something that you can enjoy. Instant gratification. You chose the latter. Always. You know, that's how slavery positions us to feed off of crumbs and never aspire for the best. And sons of God are designed for the top. If you pay your price. Verse 8. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift. (laughs) And begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My grace is enough. It's all that you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. King James says, my strength is made perfect. So we're not saying you are imperfect, but in the area of strength in weakness, until you go through this, you are imperfect. And Paul says, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. His language switched by verse 10. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size. He starts to announce them. Abuse. Accidents. Opposition that you always want to fight. Bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And the weaker I get, don't simplify it. Romans 8, 14. I think it's 14 I need. And I'm done. 15. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father, keep going. The Spirit himself, bear witness, himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And if children, this is something I need. And if children, look at this carefully please, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Again, same principle of exegesis. Are you a son of God? Are you trying to be a son of God? Is your sonship based on performance? But there are some things in your inheritance you will never taste. If you don't pay the price. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, we, we have a way of ignoring this text because they are too difficult to explain. Yes, I love them. Because God's word is congruous. God's word is one. There's no contradictions. Sir. The word agrees. Switch the tippity. Joint as with Christ. So before we go there, level of perfection. Jesus perfect. Walking into a dimension of perfection by what he suffered. You are a son. Walking into the manifestation of that sonship by what you suffer. We are all sons. Equal access, equal inheritance, not equal appropriation. Not equal. So when people are making noise, allow them, sir. When people are rebelling, allow them. When people are opposing, allow them. Your process is personal. Please. When people are scurrying around, allow them. Don't simplify because they came out of the house in two weeks. Don't. Put that verse up in the TPT. I'm done. And since we're his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him. Provided that we accept his sufferings, 
Is it God's word I'm teaching you? Yes, Provided. The message. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. Go back, please. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we are certainly going to go through the good times with him. For a second, invert it. What's the flip side? If you don't go through, you will not go through. And it is the gospel. This is what separates men from boys. Inside sons. Inside sons. This is the deciding factor. So I stood here a few months ago and I said, some people would just in church would just never, ever stand up, pay the price, avoid simplification and come into perfection. They will never. So they will always be led by those who do. I chose my place early enough. If God is doing anything, I am in the front. You will never find me behind. And I'm not lobbying my way through it. I'm not doing it in the flesh. My light will shine. Always. At whatever cost. Except it's not God doing it. If God is the one behind it, you won't find me behind. It's a price to pay. Why, why will Paul say, I press for the mark of the price of my calling? There's a price on the calling. Grasp it. Pay the price. Don't simplify your process. 17, and NLT. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, So why do you want one without the other? Why are you always in a hurry out of dark times? So patience is not ever having its full work. Because you're always wanting an escape route out of what is meant to process you. We are always in a hurry. Where are you in a hurry to? In a hurry out of something. Barely out of a relationship and into another one. Barely out of one business and into another one. Barely out of one house and into another one. Barely out of one idea and into another one. Barely out of one church and into another one. You are with pastors, you cannot submit. You, you will learn it or it will break you. When it breaks you, you will not like it. It is in God's mercy that it will break you. Or else he will just allow you to go on. And one day you wake up and see where everyone has gone. And you see where you are. And you start to cry and say, God is not faithful. No, you are where you are because God is faithful. In other words, he will not give you what you do not qualify for because he is faithful. You know, most times we measure the faithfulness of God only by the good things that happen to us. <laughs> if I cannot handle something and because I cannot handle it, he did not give it to me. Guess what he just manifested? His faithfulness. <laughs> his consistency. His equity. He won't give you what you can handle. So favor with God is not arbitrary. God will not just throw something at you because oh, you were nice to him. Are you following me now? Because yeah. you're nice to him, you, you praised him, you praised him, you praised him, you sang, you sang, you sang. He just gave you. Yeah. What you don't pay the price for, you will never enjoy. 
and it is the gospel. Yes, sir. Jesus went through it. I've shown you a plethora of scriptures that after the mouth of two or three witnesses, every truth is established. You have seen that there's a level of what you have come into in God through Christ that you will never lay hold of if you don't allow him to stretch you. And stop trying to simplify it each time. Is anybody instructed tonight? Stay with this. It literally will change the trajectory of your faith. You start to apprehend more. Why do you think Paul is saying, I want to apprehend that for which I have also been apprehended. I want to catch what caught me. Something caught me, I want to catch it. Why do you think he sounds like that? The same person that taught you grace. The same person taught you grace and said, I have not received his grace in vain. That means you can receive it in vain. You can receive grace and do nothing with it and have nothing to show for the grace you received. And you are worse than a person who didn't have it. Don't simplify. Go through it. He's in it. Or else it cannot happen. If it's happening, he is in it. Find him. Beyond seeing him, don't simplify. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Are you edified? Are you edified? Some light, some clarity for somebody? Please take your race seriously. This is a fight of faith. Take it seriously. Don't let anything derail you. Don't. It's not, always, I, I, it's not always God's will that you escape out of it, problem. Some things you will never grow into until you go through. And there's grace to go through. You are, that's what you were promised. You were promised grace to go through so that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then someday you're having a conversation, you're helping somebody, you're teaching something, and then you, can, you, can, then you realize that the only qualification you have for what you are doing at that point is what you went through. And until then, you may not appreciate it and it's okay. But one day, the only thing that qualifies you to speak, when people are speaking, is the fact that you went through and you did not. Come on, give God praise tonight. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.